0: Alright, as you're being seated, if you will find your Bible, open your app, whatever it is that you use, and go with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Let's fast forward the clock in our lives, about 10 days. It is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It's about 5 o'clock, and you have just gotten off of work, and you're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving. You've crammed three days of work. five days of work into three days and you are headed home to see the family and begin the celebration. 6 p.m. you arrive at the house, you have to load the luggage, you have to take the dog to the kennel, you have to gas up the SUV, but you get all of that done in miraculous time and now you and the family are in the vehicle and you are headed towards your mother-in-law's house. 7 p.m. Wednesday. You are now on 6:35, sitting, eating Taco Bell, trying to keep your burrito supreme in the Supreme. And you are doing your best to get out, out of Dallas traffic. You are already tired of hearing the Chipmunks DVD play in the back. And your four-year-old states to you, I'm bored. Midnight, you arrive at your mother in law's house, having successfully navigated a three hour trip in six hours. And as you walk in the door, absolutely exhausted, she wants to talk and talk and talk. So you finally go to bed. 7 a.m., you awaken to your lovely bride, giving you a kiss on the cheek. The birds are singing. This is wonderful. And then she hands you the grocery list and asks you to go to Kroger. So for the next two hours, you fight with the people at Kroger and you discover that moms are willing to use shopping carts as deadly weapons on Thanksgiving Day at the Kroger. 11 a.m., you arrive back at your mother-in-law's house and as you walk in, it's full of the aroma of Thanksgiving. Uncle Albert has arrived with this year's wife and and, and, and your, your nephew Bubba is running through the house, and he's got three kids all over him, and Aunt Gertie, she is still the most negative person you've ever met in your life. 1 p.m., after you finish your second helping of turkey and dressing, you realize that pumpkin pie is ahead. And even though your jaws are exhausted, at that moment you feel a hint of gratitude, and you say to yourself, life is good. 2 p.m., you're now lying on the couch in agony. You have stuffed your stomach beyond the recommendations of the Surgeon General of the United States, and you're just hoping to survive long enough so that you can have a turkey sandwich uh, later on in the afternoon. 3 o'clock p.m., you're now sitting in a room full of men watching the Dallas Cowboys. And for three hours, this group of men sits around and criticizes other men who are all faster, stronger, richer, smarter, better looking, and more successful than they are. But that's what we do as Americans on Thanksgiving. We criticize those guys that are all further ahead in life than we are. 6 p.m., after three hours of constant criticism, Tony Romo fumbles on the two yard line. He's a great quarterback, isn't he? You know, I love Tony Romo. Excuse me, sorry, pardon me, i got to get that water bottle up there. Anyway, uh, 6.30 p.m., your wife tells you to put down your nephew's Xbox. She wipes the pie crumbs off of your shirt. She gives you a sippy cup to fill up and tells you to pick up the toys. And so as you dutifully obey every command, you comfort yourself by what a loser Jerry Jones really is. 7 p.m., Mark hadn't said amen through any of my sermons over the last few years. But I talk about Jerry Jones, and man, we go charismatic around here. Woo! You know, uh, 7 p.m. You and your family are now headed back to Murphy after having had a relaxed... By the way, you're allowed to say amen, Mark. uh, After having a relaxing Thanksgiving celebration, right? Thanksgiving's so relaxing, isn't it? Uh, Most of us, as I've been saying through this season... Are through this series, most of us, during the holiday season, we have full schedules, but empty soul. We do a lot of things, but many times we miss the main thing. They call these holidays holy days, and during these busy days, it's easy to fill your schedule up with so much activity that you miss the whole reason for the holy day i am convinced of this that one of the main reasons why we struggle to have an attitude of gratitude is because we are exhausted we're tired worn out question for you this morning how many of you are exhausted today how many of you are just exhausted today there are some of you that are so tired You couldn't even raise your arm. I'd raise my arm. I'm just too tired. I can't do it, you know? I mean, many of us are running through life exhausted. And I want to remind you of something from the Word of God today. You've probably heard this before. Maybe you've never heard a sermon on the Sabbath principle. But I want to remind you of the principle of the Sabbath. So in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2, here's what the Word of God says. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Are you recognizing the passage yet? Where are we? This is called the 10... The Ten Commandments, that's right. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses His name. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the foreigner who is within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Now right here in the middle of the big ten we have a biblical, Christian, godly principle called the Sabbath. Now stick with me through these next couple of minutes here because a lot of times people have messed up the Sabbath. They've turned it into something that it shouldn't be. The word Sabbath means rest. And the principle here is that God knows that you and I need margin in our life. He knows that you and I need rest in our life, that we need to build time into our lives where we can connect with him. And so he tells his people uh, to intentionally take time each week to rest our bodies and fill our souls. Now, if you look at the life of Jesus, he modeled this for us as well. Uh, Jesus would go to tranquil places where he would pray. Frequently, he would encounter the crowd, he would minister, and then he and the disciples, they would retreat and spend some time recharging. Jesus was very intentional about making sure that he connected with God, making sure that he built time into his life to hear the still, small voice of the Heavenly Father. Don't let people mess up this biblical principle for you in Jesus day the sabbath principle had been completely messed up it had been turned into a nightmare this whole concept for god's people to rest to disconnect in order to connect to make sure that they build that into their life had been turned into something that was oppressive instead of a light day instead of a a, a moment where they didn't feel as much stress and much much pressure it had been turned into something that was all about rules and regulations and this is what you can do and this is what you can't do and it had been turned into something that was very measurable and very cold the religious leaders had scrolls full of rules about what you could do and what you could not do on the sabbath day and if you read the gospels there are entire chapters where Jesus is arguing with the religious leaders about what the Sabbath is all about. He was even criticized for doing the work of God on the Sabbath day. It's not about the rules. It's about making sure that on uh, one day a week, you're connecting to God and you're doing things in your life that intentionally help you to hear the voice of God. Now, in our day, people mess up this concept all the time as well for one we we relegate it to the old testament and we say well that was fine back then but that that was law we're we're under grace uh, that was for the israelites we're americans Americans, we go, 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 go. The Israelites, if they wanted to take one day a week to rest, that's good for them. And and certainly we're right in the concept that the ceremonial and the civil law of the Old Testament, uh, that was specific for the Israelites in the Old Testament. But the principles of the law, the moral law, it still continues today. And the basic principle that God's people need to intentionally build rest into their life to connect with him, that principle continues on today, just like the principle of being faithful to your wife continues on today, and and not murdering continues on today. Those basic principles of the law, they continue to be a, a, a reality today. Now, in American discipleship, we tend to emphasize doing over being. That's not necessarily how it is around the world in different cultures, but in our culture, We tend to connect discipleship with what you do. And so this is how it might play out. Someone asks you, How are you doing spiritually? You ever had someone ask you that question or present that question? How are you doing spiritually? And so maybe you answer real honestly and you say, Well, you know what? I'm not really doing very well. I'm not connected. I feel empty. I'm exhausted. I really need more. And so your spiritual guru starts trying to give you some solutions. They say, well, I tell you what, maybe what you need to do is you need to work on your devotion life. So let's get up earlier. What time are you getting up right now? Six? Okay. Why don't you get up at five and pray through the matter? Uh, I think you need to read scripture more. So uh, if you read three chapters a day, you can read through the Bible in the course of a year. And so you get up earlier and you read that and you pray through things and all that that's good stuff. I would never be against prayer and Bible reading. I think we need to to be doing that. But but you know you're, you're trying to do that and, and you're still tired. Because now you're losing an hour of sleep. And so you're, you're trying to do the right thing, but you're just exhausted. And so then they say, well, I tell you what, why don't you read these books? These books were really hap- helpful for me. And why don't you take this class and we can take this class together? And so you say, okay, I'll do that. So you start reading these Christian books and, and you're out another night of the week uh, away from your family because you're taking the class and you're staying up later reading and you're reading a lot of Christian books, but you're not reading the Bible that much. And, and you're still tired. You're still exhausted, even though you're doing some of these good things. And so then someone says, well, you know what? Why don't you try my church? Uh, Maybe the problem is the church that you go to. And so you say, well, maybe they're right. And so you you look at your church, and you find a reason to get mad, because you never can just leave a church. You've got to find a reason to get mad. So you find some reason to get mad. You don't like this. You don't like this. They're not feeding me. All these kind of things. And and you visit websites, and you visit churches, and, and you meet new people, and a year goes by, and you're still tired. You're still exhausted. The change didn't really fix the problem uh, because for many of us, rest is the best thing you could do for your spiritual life. For many of us, the core problem that is really keeping us from hearing from God, the core problem that is really uh, presenting itself in our life is just that we are exhausted and we don't have any margin in our life. We don't have any time. Where we can just unplug and plug into God. Let me give you three reasons why you need a Sabbath. Number one is worship. On the Sabbath, you take a day off from the stress and work and pressures of life to remember where it all comes from. Now, I'm not against, uh, you know, if, if yard work helps you unwind, do yard work. If, uh, Fishing helps you unwind, go, go fishing. I mean, it's not about just you got to sit as, as a blob on the couch and do nothing. That's not what the Sabbath is all about. But, but it's about worshiping God and, and making him priority. Let me encourage you to do this. Make Sunday a priority. Make Sunday worship a priority. Do everything in your life to, to block off that day so that Sunday is the Lord's day as as. Christians, we worship on Sunday because that's the day that the Lord rose from the dead and the early church started worshiping on Sunday. But make it a priority in your life that you are going to worship on Sunday. We all have habits in our life. Some are good habits. Some are bad habits. I have some bad habits in my life. Uh, I tend to root for the Texas Longhorns. That's a bad habit right now in my life. It's not going very well for me. Uh, Sometimes I'm too impetuous. Sometimes I'm too careful. Uh, I leave my shoes out. My wife despises that habit that I have. I, I need to start picking up my shoes and putting them where, where they go. I, hopefully, I, I have some good habits as well. I try to spend time with my family. I try to exercise. You guys appreciate the fact that I shower every day, and that's a good habit that I have in my life. Uh, but one of the best habits that we can have is the Sabbath habit. That in our household, in our life, Sunday is the Lord's day, and that's a day where we worship. A second reason why you need a Sabbath is faith. Now, think about the children of Israel. They were in an agrarian economy. They were farmers. They had to work for their food. And God tells them, you're supposed to rest one day a week. Part of that was to show their faith in God. All of our neighbors are working like crazy. They're, they're working their fields on, on, on the Sabbath, and we're supposed to rest on the Sabbath? And God says, yeah. Taking time to rest shows that you're trusting me with the rest. You're trusting me. You're, you're being a person of faith and believing that I can care for you, even though you have margin built into your life. And then a the third reason why you need a Sabbath is rest. You're not designed to to go, 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 go. At least once a week, you need to intentionally take time to rest your body and recharge your soul. People in our society today, we move at broadband speed. I mean, we're going, 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 going. And I know somebody's out there and you say, well, you know, my grandpa he was a farmer, and he got up at 5, and he worked He worked until the, the sun went down, and he just went, 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 went. And, and I appreciate our farmers, and I appreciate the hard-working men uh, in our country. But one of the things that we have to be aware of is that Grandpa didn't have the Internet. Grandpa didn't have the cell phone. Grandpa got to actually exercise. He didn't just sit at the desk all day long and, and just veg. Well, you don't veg at work, but you know what I'm saying. He was out there doing stuff. Uh, we, have, we have constant interruptions in our life, and, and we are actually programming our brains so that we're like, like this. I mean, a lot of you, you can't just sit and listen to a sermon. You've got to be surfing the web, checking email, and doing all sorts of things while I'm talking. And you do that in all sorts of areas of our life. That's just how you have programmed your brain. At breakfast time, you're eating breakfast, checking your text, and reading the Internet at the same time. We programmed our brains that way, and and technology can be a stalker. Somebody sends you an email. You don't respond to the email right away, so they send you a text. Did you get my email? You don't respond to the text within 10 minutes, so they call you. Hey, did you get my email and my text that I got because I didn't hear from you? You know, it used to be only Batman had to be ready at a moment's notice all the time. Now everybody expects everybody to be ready at a moment's notice all the time. And because of that, uh, we don't really have rest in our life. And a lot of us are just exhausted. Our mind never stops. What happens when you don't slow down? Quickly, let me give you four things that happen when you don't slow down. Number one, we start losing perspective. We start making mountains out of molehills. We can't really see things as they really are. We start thinking that the whole world revolves around that issue that we're dealing with at work. We start thinking that everybody's talking about us, that everybody's looking at us, that my life is the center of the universe, and we lose perspective. Number two, we lose balance. When we get exhausted, we start borrowing from other areas of life. All right? I'm tired. I don't have time to sleep. So I'll just, instead of sleep, I'll just drink more coffee, and that'll take care of me. Right? We've never done that, have we? Okay? Uh, or, or I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I don't have time to go to church to meet people, to live life with people, so I'll just watch church on TV. And we borrow, we borrow from here in order to try to pay here. Thirdly, we become spiritually deaf. When we're going, 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 we get so busy that we don't hear from God because often God speaks in the still, small voice. And when we don't hear from God, we then start making our own rules. Because we're not hearing God's rules. We're not hearing God's desires. And so we start becoming Pharisees. We become those individuals that are hall monitors of the faith. There's no real spiritual depth about us because we're not connecting to God. We're not hearing from God. There's no real spiritual depth. So what we do is we make up the rules as we go along and we yell real loud and we try to sound real spiritual by putting others down that are not as spiritual as we are. The Pharisees were the kings of doing. They marked every checkbox. They did everything they were supposed to do, but they were anemic when it came to being. They weren't really connected to God. Now there's three groups of people here that are hearing this. The first group, is the group that i would call the every day is a sabbath group you're basically a slacker okay uh you don't really work hard i mean every day is kind of a sabbath i mean life is just kind of cool man you know you're the you're the 30 year old guy who is wearing your bathrobe playing xbox sitting in your parents basement and your dad comes up to you and says son I think you need to get a life plan and go get a job. And you look at your dad and you say, but, Dad, Pastor Lash said I'm, like, supposed to rest, okay? No, no, That we're not talking to you, okay? Uh, you're just a slacker, all right? You need to go get a job, take a shower, make a life plan, and, and start doing something with your life, okay? So this doesn't apply to you. If you're, if you're that guy, just take a nap or something. Anyway, uh, group number two. You're the individuals that you learned this lesson already. Now, maybe somebody taught it to you along the course of your life, and you realized at some point, yeah, I do need margin in my life. I do have to disconnect in order to connect. And somewhere along the line, you've learned this lesson, and you apply this. If we were to look at your life, you have a Sabbath. You have rest in your life. But a lot of the people that are in group number two that have learned this lesson, the way that you learned this lesson is the hard way. You learned this lesson the hard way because you used to be in group number three. Group number three is this group. You're hearing all this and you're like, hey, this sounds so good, Lash. And you're a nice guy. You know, I mean, you're a nice guy. This is the scripture and this sounds so good, but... I'm too busy. I mean, this is great that you take a Sabbath and you you think this is important. I mean, Lash, this is wonderful for you because you only work one hour a week. And I've been meaning to talk to you about working too long in that hour. But in my life, there is no way... There is no way I could possibly slow down and build the Sabbath habit into my life. Hey, listen, I understand that you may go through some seasons where you just have to march on. You may have a new baby and you can't sleep as much as you want. You may be at a new job where you do have to buckle down and kind of just march through or in a big project where you just have to march through and just work, 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 work. But if you go year after year, month after month, and there's never that time in your life where you connect to God, where you just stop what you're doing in order to emphasize being, eventually in your life you're going to hit a limit. In every area of our life, there are limits. In our finances, you only have so much money, so much credit, and if you keep abusing it, eventually you're going to hit the limit. In our health, you can only eat that so much you can only smoke that so often you can only drink that so much before eventually you start hitting the limit in our relationships you can only yell so much neglect avoid uh take for granted so long before eventually you hit the limit and eventually when you hit the limit you face the pain when you hit that limit there's always pain and when the pain comes, that's when you start saying, oh, I wish I would have back then. I wish I would have made this decision way back then. You know what? The, the, the pain and the limit, it usually doesn't just happen all at once. You don't usually wake up one day and say, oh, no, uh, now I'm bankrupt. There's a cumulative effect that takes place. There's a day after day decision making that takes place. And whenever you hit that limit, a lot of times we look back and say, how did I get here? How did I get to this this point? This wasn't where I, I wanted to be. In life, most of the time, you are where you are because of the decisions that you make. You know, we say, I want this. I had a friend who says to me, he said, well, you know, people rarely get what they want, but they almost always get what they choose. We start making those choices day after day after day, and eventually we become the result of those decisions that we have made. And some of us in this room, we have been so busy. Our calendars have been so full. You haven't slowed down in years. And the Sabbath habit is the farthest thing from your mind. You came to church today as something that you're supposed to do how long has it been since you just sat in the presence of God? You said, Lord, who am I supposed to be? Fill me with your presence today. When you keep going and going and going and going, the limit is coming. Eventually, you hit the pain. Eventually, the body breaks down and the soul grows deaf. And you quit hearing the voice of God and you just start thinking this is how it is. If we keep pushing and we refuse to listen, in our spiritual lives, the pain is no longer a few extra pounds or a financial difficulty. In our spiritual life, that pain can be the child that goes off to college without a spiritual foundation. They know how to read and write, did well in their class ranking, but they don't know Jesus. In our spiritual life, when we don't take time to really connect with those things that really matter. It might be our marriage that comes crushing down around us because we've had busyness with no intimacy. It might be a soul that finds itself angry with God and in a spiritual Sahara and can't process life around you and you just feel empty inside because you've reached the limit and now you're dealing with the pain. So into this life, God says to us, the problem is you're exhausted. The problem is you're going, 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 and I need you to stop long enough to connect with me. And so he reminds us of the principle of the Sabbath. Stop. Build some margin into your life. Embrace the Sabbath habit. Today, whenever you walked in, hopefully you were handed one of those cards. And I want to encourage you to do something in your life whether you do it right now or whether you do it in the days ahead, I want to encourage you to spend some time writing out. What are the burdens that I am carrying in my life that are keeping me from resting in God? Perhaps you need to write out what are some of the areas of my life that I can cut out in order to just abide in the Lord more. Maybe there's a lot of frivolous time being wasted in our life. You can cut out The Seinfeld reruns from 10 to midnight every night so that you can have more time to connect with God. You can build some margin into your life so that you can hear the voice of God. What is it in your life that needs to be adjusted so that you can have a Sabbath? What is it in your life that needs to be adjusted so that you have time and energy to hear the voice of God? I leave you with this passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 11. It's Jesus saying these words. He says to his followers, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Anybody weary and burdened? I, I, can, I can be in that camp. Hey, I'm, I'm, not, I'm preaching to you from the gallery, man. I've got three little kids and a full life. I understand this. Lots to do. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you. What's he going to give me? Rest. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, come to me, and I'll give you a new job description. Come to me, and I'll give you 15 tasks to do. He says, come to me, and I'll give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. He was speaking this in direct contrast to what the religious leaders were offering them. They weren't gentle and humble. They were harsh. They didn't put a light yoke upon the people. They put a heavy yoke upon upon them. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? It could be that you're here today, and today needs to be your day of salvation. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'll be here at the front row, and if today's that day in your life, please come see me. I want to pray with you, help you to know Christ today. As always, it's my honor to pray with you, and so if there's anything in your life that I can pray with you about. I would love to talk with you more and help you as much as I can. The cross is here. Perhaps today you need to lay some things down at the cross. A tangible expression of worship. The altar is open. Perhaps today you just need to come and pray at the altar. The band will be leading us in worship. Maybe you need to express your soul to God through the song. Father, help us to be the most grateful people imaginable. Lord, I'm so thankful that while we were yet sinners, you demonstrated your love and that Christ died for us. That you reached through our sin, you reached through our junk, and you brought grace near. That in you there is forgiveness, in you. There is no condemnation in you. There is rest. We don't have to live our lives in the comparison game. We don't have to live our lives on a spiritual treadmill hoping that we might be good enough for you to love us. No, you loved us while we were yet sinners. So Lord, help us to live our lives with gratitude that pours out in worship gratitude that pours out in a life of faith with gratitude that demonstrates a calm soul that has a peace that passes understanding help us father to demonstrate our love for you each and every day as we take delight and abide in you help us to be your people And Father, I pray today for the individual that is just working so hard and pushing so hard and trying to fit so many things in their life that there's no time. There's no time to hear from you. I pray, Lord, that you might speak to them and show them how life can be lived differently. Remind them of the art of life the beauty that is found in you and restore the joy of their salvation today. In Jesus' name, amen.